This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. There's some verses in the Bible which, when they were given, were intended to convey a certain meaning, and that meaning only. But because of the words themselves, rather than the circumstances, they have been misinterpreted by many people. Oftentimes, the misinterpretation has brought out a great truth, of course, although this truth was not found in just that one verse. Uh, uh, One such case, like I'm talking about, is the benediction which comes from Genesis 31, verse 49. You know these words, perhaps. The Lord watched between me and thee when we are absent one from another. Oh, that's a beautiful, that's a wonderful thought for a group to have upon parting. I know some Sunday school classes where they get together, they stand up, join hands, and they recite that verse. But what did that verse mean in the setting in which it was given? Let's look at the surroundings of that verse. Jacob had served Laban for seven years in order to have Rachel as his wife. Well, old crafty Laban tricked Jacob, gave him Leah instead, the sister. And so Jacob served another seven years to get the one he wanted to start with, Rachel. After this, Jacob decided to leave Laban and to return to his homeland, and so he did. But as he went, he was pursued by Laban. And they had an encounter which was not very friendly. Laban, you see, did not want Jacob to go. But after talking, they agreed to disagree. So these two men set up an altar at a place called Mizpah, And each man agreed not to cross over that line, sort of a line in the sand, as it were. From that time forth, they said that the Lord would be their witness to watch each other after they had separated. And God have mercy on either one of them who violated their agreement. In effect, they said, we cannot keep track on each other in our absence from each other, as they probably would both like to do. And so they said, The Lord watched between me and thee when we are absent one from another. (laughs) Sort of a different twist to that verse, isn't it? Of a similar nature is another verse from the same book, Genesis, which is our our text for this morning. The words of Hagar, thou God seest me. Genesis 16, verse 13. We've often interpreted this verse to mean that God's eye is all-seeing. God never takes his eye off of us. This is an important truth, but this is not the primary truth of this particular text. When Hagar made this statement, she was thinking more of the gracious providence of God to her. Hagar, as you remember, was a handmaid to Abraham and Sarah. Now back in those days, the Hebrews saw nothing wrong with a man having a handmaid for his wife. That was another woman who might give their family children in case the wife were unable to have children. Different morality back then from the way we see things today. And then when this happened, the child of that handmaid 
was considered to be just as much flesh and blood of the man as his real wife, as if it were actually her child. Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren. And so she asked Abraham to go in to Hagar and allow Sarah to have a child by Hagar. Well, this was done, and Hagar conceived. But when Sarah learned about this, she changed her mind. She took vengeance on Hagar, even to the point of driving her out of the camp of Abraham. Hagar was driven out into the wilderness, ready to die, when God came to her. She So glad was Hagar that she cried out, Thou, God, seest me. And since this verse has been used in the other sense, first of all, let's consider it in that way. Then we're going to come to the real meaning of this verse. First, the idea of God's all-seeing eye. The Bible has a great deal to say about God's watchfulness over us. Listen to some verses which tell of God's watchfulness as all-seeing eye. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs 5, 21. His eyes are upon the ways of man. In the last book in the Bible, Revelation, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 19, the same uh, idea is presented in all three of these verses. His eyes were as a flame of fire. There's a little chorus which we used to sing. For if the father's eye is on the sparrow, then surely he will care for you. We even have a hymn these days that is very popular. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. If people realize today that God is watching us as he is, there'd be a lot of the evil in this world left undone. When people think that they are being seen and what they do, seen by maybe an esteemed friend or a loving parent or even by the preacher, then they'll often refrain from doing certain things. In fact, there's a good example of this in Exodus 2 verse 12, talking about Moses just before he killed that Egyptian. That verse says, Moses looked this way and that way, and when he saw no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The father of Woodrow Wilson was Dr. Joseph R. Wilson, a noted Presbyterian minister. Dr. Wilson was once in the company of some men who were having a heated discussion. And in the midst of it, one man, not realizing that Dr. Wilson was present, let out a very vile oath. And then turning and seeing Dr. Wilson, the preacher, he apologized to him say, Oh, sir, I had forgotten that you were present. Please forgive me. But Dr. Wilson replied, It's not to me that you owe your apology, but to God. It is true that God is always present. The psalmist said in the 139th Psalm, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Do you realize that God knows the thoughts you think every moment? 
the thoughts that you had every moment of last week, not just your deeds, but also your thoughts, they're just as plain to God as I am plain to you and what I'm saying right now and as you hear my voice. In Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables, there's a real sermon on this subject of the all-seeing eye of God. A very poor man named Jean Valjean had committed some crime and he had served for years as a convict. <clears throat> but he escaped from prison, had a real change in his life. And under a new name, he finally became the mayor of a small town. He was a beloved person. They didn't know his past. But the years passed by, and as they did, this mayor, their mayor, in reality an escaped convict, endeared himself over and over to the hearts of the people, young and old. But one day, he learned that in a neighboring village, an old man had been arrested for stealing and that this man had been identified as the long-sought ex-convict Jean Valjean. Should this man now keep quiet, the mayor, and let this old man take his punishment? Or should he go to the next town and confess the truth? For a moment, he made a decision. He would keep quiet. Things were going too well now. And then he heard a voice which said to him, Jean Valjean, there shall be about you many voices which will bless you. There'll be only one voice which will curse you in the darkness. All those blessings shall fall before they reach heaven. Only the curse shall mount to the presence of God. All through the night, Jean Valjean fought his decision. And when the morning came, he called for his carriage and he made the journey to the next, next town. Just as the president of the court was about to pronounce sentence upon the old man, the man who was not guilty, this true ex-convict arose and said, I am Jean Valjean. God sees all and he knows all. But let's look at the other side of this verse, Genesis 16, 13. God does see us in order to know what we're doing, but the beauty of this other idea is that God sees us in order to provide and care for us. Hagar was thrilled beyond words when she came to the realization of the truth that God saw her. She had lived as a slave girl, but now she knew that God saw even her. If you could underline one word in that, thou God seest me, underline the word me. The accent, accent should be on the last word. In fact, it was only because she knew of God's protection to her that Hagar could now go back to the camp of Abraham unafraid. Hagar had never doubted that God saw Abraham and Sarah. But now... God, thou God, seest even me. That's true for you and me today. Whatever our distress might be, whether of body, mind, or soul, we can take comfort in knowing that God does see us. He understands. 
We're tempted to cry out sometimes as did the psalmist. No man cared for my soul. Psalm 142. But let's remember also the truth of these words. Thou, God, seest me. I like what one little girl said. God, about God's all-seeing eye. Yes, God's always looking at us. But he, he just keeps looking at us because he loves us so much. He just can't take his eyes off of us. I think one of the most comforting truths I've heard lately comes from the pen of Jeremy Taylor, a master of English style. He said this, listen carefully. We are safer in God's storm with God present than we are in the calm of the world. The psalmist said it in the 121st Psalm, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And my dear friends, that's true of you and me today. We're not always obedient. We're not always faithful to what we profess to believe. But God's all-seeing eye, God's comforting presence is always with us. For this reason, we can give Him thanks. Lord, we don't have words to thank you for the fact that you are with us. Even when we don't want you to be with us, and even when we are ashamed of our actions and our words, because you are there. But Lord, help us to remember that you do love us so much that you just can't take your eyes off of us. May that give us hope and courage and renewed strength to face the days ahead. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.